Today, I'm pleased to welcome Rich Evans. Having launched his first business at 25, a branding and website agency called Bold Identities, which led to an impressive exit within six years and zero external investment. Rich is now on a mission to build a purposely small brand and startup consultancy called Potent Positioning that works with founders to strategically grow their businesses. He's the shareholder and investor of a handful of B2B businesses in the UK and US and is a self-proclaimed huge believer in the power of brand to make sales hiring easier. In this value-packed episode, Rich has a wealth of experience and imparts some of his market wisdom as we discuss topics such as removing the friction and obsessing about the customer experience and the productization that inevitably comes with that. We also discuss how we can effectively align sales and marketing and what Rich likes to coin selling conversations and how this can in turn lead to direction and potent content generation for the marketers here. Time flew by on this episode as we both really chewed the fat on something we're both super passionate about and I hope you can glean some value out of this episode. So Rich, welcome. Um, I've been really looking forward to this episode um, since I first got in touch with you and um, we've had some interesting conversations beforehand just trying to get the format together. How are you doing Richard? Yeah I'm good mate. How are you Aiden? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. Yeah, I'm perfect. Um, so let's just kick off. Um, one of the things I just wanted to, and I think it will really um, work well with the kind of format we've discussed anyway, but is this first, uh, this, this social media post you put out today, um, and it's the, it's the 1st of February today, and you talk about reducing friction um, for agencies and sort of like the, the relationship sales and marketing can have together. And sort of mapping out the customer journey and communicating with this. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit more? And um, what I'd really like to sort of understand is what, what a use case for this could look like. It's a big one to start with, um, but yeah, let's get stuck into it. There's a there's probably a few things to to think about in that, but first and foremost, let's think about the friction side of things. And this is a lot of kind of what I talk about, whether it's marketing perspective or from a brand perspective, is bringing it back into that that sales side of things as well. Um, but first and foremost, looking at it from a buyer's perspective, um, I think in terms of everything we do, we should be looking at it from that buyer's perspective. And I think we all forget as well that we're all buyers um, and how would we want to be looked after in certain situations, what would we we want on that journey as well. So in terms of that friction piece, um, if I'm in a situation where, which is, is often the case when you're working with a new client, for instance, where first and foremost, auditing that, we call it the buyer's journey, sales journey, customer journey, however you wanted to call it. Um, a lot of the time, it's fucking painful, um, putting it quite straightforward. Um, and there's a hell of a lot of friction in that process as well. And I'm not saying this from, oh, look, I'm just judging judging other people's businesses. It's from lessons from me being there and being in that painful scenario as well. Um, so when we talk about friction, it's, it's kind of, I, I talk about burning mental calories a lot when posting on LinkedIn and all that type of stuff. And the more mental calories that a buyer needs to burn during the process, 
for me, they're less likely. And you'll know yourself when you're buying something, you kind of give up and kind of look for the next solution. It's a lot of it's about clarity and digesting that information. So how can we look at it from a, a real life perspective? It's probably best to criticize myself more than anyone else. So when we started Bold, initially, it was a case of I, I had a business partner who's a web developer. So the business plan was pretty much like, I'll flog them, you build them. And that was pretty much it. Um, and we went to the market doing that and obviously got some deals in. Now, we learned a lot of lessons along the way, um, particularly from that sales and marketing, the brand side of things, just to make our life a lot easier. Um, how? What's that motivation? Look, maybe I'm a lazy salesperson. It might come down to that. But for me, brand is about making sales easier and also making hiring easier when you're looking to recruit people as well. Um, so if we talk about friction and making the buyer work hard, an example would be, and you might have been there yourself in terms of your agency at a certain stage and that type of stuff. Um, we were going out there and selling recruitment websites. Now, we knew we could build them. We knew we, knew we could build the functionality, but... We didn't really have a productized solution, if that makes sense. So I'd work really hard to get a conversation, whether it's outbound sales, whether it's marketing, however, we're creating that awareness to get the conversation. And that's the hardest part, isn't it? That's the key. Um, now, when we're getting onto that conversation, a lot of the time it would be, well, what's the price then? How much is it going to cost me? How long is it going to take? Um, and the answer really is like, when you've not got a set solution, how long's a piece of string? So to then work it out and to move them through that buyer's journey, it's a case of, right, how many pages are you gonna need? And a lot of the time the prospects will be like, well, I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go away and think about that. So one, you're making them work hard themselves there. Um, two, what features and functionality do you want? Again, it's like, I've not really thought about it. So I'm gonna have to work hard and go and think about that again. Um, Whereas in terms of how I like to think we took the friction out of it and, and the guys still hopefully do take the friction out of it is when you're looking at that journey in terms of what you're taking a customer on, of course you want options, of course things need to be bespoke, but if you've got a defined solution that is answering their needs and takes them through a journey, even if it's a step-by-step -step solution, I think we got it down to a five-step five solution um, eventually anyway, and it, and it changed as we learned a lot. Um, then that solution can be great. We've got a solution specifically for you, Mr. Prospect, Mrs. Prospect, and this is how it looks. And let me talk you through that. And I think the confidence that then brings to the buyer, um, obviously is a hell of a lot. Um, and people like to have transparency in what they're buying, particularly when they're spending a fair few quid. Um, but even if they're spending time, people like transparency, like what am I getting in return at every stage of a sales or marketing process? So even if they're spending 15 minutes on a phone call, it's like, what am I getting in return for it? So I think it's coming down to communicating that clarity a lot of the time in terms of what's in it for them and how can we get that as clear as possible and defined as possible. And hopefully then into a sophisticated model that is then replicable, it's scalable, it's deliverable as well. So no doubt we'll speak about that a little bit more as we get we get through the podcast. But yeah, I think a lot of the time when we're speaking about marketing, like we're so focused on tactics and we're so focused on kind of 
the next like growth tactic or something that someone's peddling you need to be doing this and and all the rest of it which is great it's all there to build awareness for your brand but unless you've kind of got that positioning right but also your solutions right in the first place then a lot of those tactics can just be wasted money wasted time wasted resources um and i think that's a lot of the time why people bang their head against the wall and kind of give up on like marketing a lot of the time as well it's like oh yeah we tried marketing once didn't work for us mate <laughs> um and then it takes them a while to kind of uh to to get there again so yeah I suppose there's a few questions in one there and there's probably a few answers in one way. So I'll leave it at that for the time being. No, that was a great answer. So first thing that's popped into my head is what comes first? Does it come, does the productization come first or is it the reduction of friction? For me, the productization is an ongoing piece. Um, so yes, let's build solutions that are specific to our market needs. Um, and obviously a lot of our audience is recruitment and this can be done exactly the same. So when we look at a buyer's journey um, and taking them through that process, we can look at both a client and candidate journey as well and how we're going to nudge them through that process. Um, so the productization piece, the solutions piece for me is an ongoing thing because we're going to get feedback. It can always be optimized. It can always be better and the market changes all the time. So it's about, look, if we're getting feedback from customers, good, great. But the bad feedback is absolutely gold dust as well. Because then when you're looking at your solution, it's a case of, right, great. Well, let's use this. Let's keep this one customer happy, which first and foremost is the most important thing. But secondly, what can we do with this feedback to then build it into our solution to make sure it doesn't happen again? And I think that's where that replication side of things come in. Um, and yeah. Obviously, it's from it's nothing new, is it? Like the myth book, all that type of stuff. It's all about systems, making sure that people can be replicated. But I think what we're touching on here is also how it's really good for marketing as well, um, which is no doubt something that we'll get onto as well. And remembering that from a from a marketing perspective, look, we're we're not really selling the full solution. We're selling an initial conversation. So how can we focus on that? And how can we create more conversations? We hear it time and time again from good salespeople, don't we? Like, if I get a prospect on the phone, then I know there's a bloody good chance that I'm going to get what I want out of it. Potential sale, potential client, potential taking a candidate to the market. Um, but I think the tough thing is, particularly in this kind of where we are now as well, is that that first conversation is gold dust, isn't it? It's like since COVID, since remote working it's not like it used to be when you're picking up the phone and you know if you try enough you're definitely going to be able to get a conversation with that person but also the benefits from a marketing perspective is that if they've agreed to that conversation they want it with you as well um so it's a lot warmer conversation than trying to catch someone off guard as well from a cold call so um so yeah what comes first is really for me the brand positioning look who are we selling to what are their pain points what are their needs and how are we going to one position our business around that um and two then start positioning our solutions around that as well um and yeah a lot of people are doing it great at the moment i'm working with a group of companies at the moment where there's i think 14 15 brands within the group and certainly it's back to basics a lot of the time look 
even landed on the website like who are we speaking to here like and why should they give a shit <laughs> um and a lot of it is kind of just generic stuff so yeah there's a lot of motivation i need to do marketing need to get stuck into it need to put energy into it but let's kind of rewind a little bit first and make sure that that position is right so for me the the positioning would definitely come first mate yeah fantastic um i'm having the same issue when we're dealing with and i'm starting to take a bit more of a consultative role with some of these clients because you go in and you ask them what is your marketing strategy and they don't have one in place and you think are you crazy this needs to be day one that needs to have a marketing strategy um the recent bit of um data we got from the industry is um 80 of companies and there's quite a few interviewed said that they don't have a marketing strategy in place which is just mm. unbelievable to hear um and it's kind of that strategic thinking that really starts the conversation and allows you to really figure out product offering service offering uh, customer experience as well as all the marketing that comes with it because if you don't have that then you you know you're just a bog standard recruiter as, as everyone else so you don't you don't become a challenger brand do you I think that's fairly typical yeah um and there's, there's obviously reasons why that why that's the case in the recruitment market as well so um and again when we're looking at marketing strategy a lot of it's just siloed away from the rest of the strategy the business strategy the sales strategy the internal talent acquisition strategy where we need to be thinking about it all essentially and a marketer needs to understand all of that as well and i think the big challenge in the industry um that i tend to see as well is and it's it's a kind of tough one to overcome as well is look most recruitment agencies start from decent billers setting up on their own and they go to the market and they start billing well and start building a business around that um which is obviously very typical um and which is absolutely great as well um now once a business hits a certain size and they start realizing marketing is more of importance and they can't just rely on their own skill set to carry on building the business whether it's to attract more people whether it's to start growing new markets out and all that type of stuff um Often that realization comes out, we need to be doing more with the brand and we need to be doing more with, with marketing. So the typical idea then, which, which is kind of, you can see what happens as well. Well, let's, let's, let's hire a marketer, but nine times out of 10, we're not hiring an experienced marketing director because that's not within the budget at that stage. So the probably hiring marketing execs, um, maybe junior marketing managers, um, and that's good. They're starting to get a lot more activity out there. Um, and they're certainly focusing on what I'd consider the, the awareness stage. But is it getting results? It will be getting some results, don't get me wrong, but is it working as well as it could be? And that's where we need to be start thinking about that bigger picture. Like, how is this linking into the sales strategy? How is it integrated into what we're doing from the sales side of the business? Um, and pretty all of the business strategies essentially and that those business objectives and i think that's hard for kind of a junior marketer to initially get their head around if they've not had exposure to that um and i'm not saying it can't be learned because it can and i've seen it learn but it it's allowing the marketing team to sit on that top table to be having those conversations to be involved in the business strategy to be involved very closely with the sales team so they can start getting a lot more of an understanding of it. So we can start building plans and strategies that work for everyone. Um, 
otherwise you just become order takers and you see it so many times that a firm might have one marketer, two marketers, and they're just order takers to post some stuff on social without much strategy behind it, um, do some graphics, do some brochures, run the odd campaign. But they're not taking the lead on it, if that makes sense. Um, and really looking at, right, how can we make sure this is hitting our business objectives as well? So I think that's fairly typical with most recruitment agents, with most recruitment agencies, exec search firms, most small B2B businesses and service businesses as a whole, to be honest. Um, and it's about having that realization, then what are we going to do about it, essentially? Um, and there's some firms out there where the founders are, are very marketing savvy and very brand savvy, and that's great because they can provide that leadership to those people. Um, however, when that's not the case, because the the kind of absolute recruitment geniuses and they've, they've not had much exposure to them themselves from, from a marketing perspective as a founder, then, then that's where the challenge comes in. And it's either a case of that founder really learning the fundamentals of marketing themselves and brand and brand strategy and the rest of stuff, all looking at resource that can kind of fill that gap a little bit um, to, to take those people on that journey, really. So you can see why, why it's the case a lot of the time. And don't get me wrong, I think over the last few years, there's been an incredible shift, um, particularly in the UK recruitment market, where you can see that firms are getting a lot more marketing savvy. Um, which is great, but yeah, with a lot of firms, no doubt there's still a lot of that work to do to make sure it's all kind of working fluidly and integrated together as well. Yeah, and I think you saying like the the market maturing and the marketing put out maturing, and for sure I completely agree with you. But on the flip side of that, the actual um, the customer and the client candidate are mature to marketing tactics as well. So, like you've touched on before, doing those those campaigns and those touch points and those tactics can work to an extent and they did work even five years ago a lot more than they did now but it really comes now down to messaging doesn't it and and how you really push yourself and make a difference in the market um and i think i i love that discussion on level leveling up because that's the whole part of what we're doing here with the podcast is trying to level up our listeners and it definitely is that mindset shift isn't it not only be given the the opportunity to sit at the table, but also have that CEO mindset to be able to think, you know, what's best for the business? How can we affect the business objectives through marketing rather than just everyone's talking about TikTok, let's go and make a load of TikTok videos jumping around the office. It's just actually yeah. finding what, what actually works. Um, so I love that. Absolutely love that. So one of the big things that I think is a huge challenge at the moment, and you can tell me uh, to shut up and you've never seen that before, but I don't think you will. Um, is there seems to be a huge chasm. I like the term chasm because it reminds me of the uh, the Grand Canyon because it feels that big um, between sales and marketing, especially in recruitment agencies. Do you feel like that's 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 going on right now that there's a huge disconnect between the two teams? Um, I think from a function perspective, um, job title perspective, probably yes. In a lot of cases, from what I've seen, as in a lot of the, a lot of the time, like marketing, I sat with like the ops team or the finance team, um, and for me, that it's just fucking crazy a lot of the time. Um, but I think in terms of what marketing and sales is and recruitment, when we're speaking specifically about recruitment, um, it's a lot closer because a recruiter is wearing a lot of hats nowadays um, compared to 
going back 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And yeah, they're doing a lot of social marketing themselves, a lot of look, how we're going to define marketing, the difference between marketing and sales here, because I often feel that the, the same function, we've got the same objectives. But if we were to split the two up, I think um, I think Paul Rawson wrote a post on it the other day, which um, which I thought was a was a good way of describing it, is often marketing is 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 writing and typing and selling is speaking but we've kind of both got the same objective look they're both revenue generators now if you look at the role of a recruitment consultant um yeah years ago obviously we just used to absolutely hammer the phone and it was all talking um but it's not that easy just to do that anymore so a lot of it comes down to that typing thing so if we're considering that as marketing the emails we're sending out the linkedin outreach we're making social media posts then a recruiter is firmly wearing a marketing hat as well so then to have marketing sat siloed with the ops and finance team is absolutely crazy because it should be one and the same um and certainly working very closely with each other um to make sure we're we're hitting the objectives together as well um and I think first and foremost is it's kind of looking again, coming back to that buyer's journey, whether we're looking to get more candidates, break a new market and get more clients, attract more people to come to interview for the business, um, to grow the teams. Let's break down that journey um, from not having a fucking clue who we are to saying yes. Um, I either want to sign terms with you or I want to go to the market with interviews with you or want to come and speak to you about potential opportunities at your firm so how do we break that down into a journey and then how can we achieve that together and support each other because without marketing speaking to sales and sales speaking to marketing it's just not going to work because that journey is going to well does cross over together in so many places um so yeah i think in answer to your question unfortunately Sometimes they are sitting in silo a little bit, um, but I think to move forward, and again, a lot of great firms are doing that, doing that, it's looking at that sales and marketing function together. And I think how I used to try and, and a lot of it's confidence in your position as well. Um, so I'll probably keep going back to positioning um, and that brand position, but get that brand position right, start building that trust up in the marketplace, get your solutions right, then I used to try to drill home to our sales guys. Look, we're not we're not fucking selling here. We're helping people buy. Like we've got that much confidence in our product, in our position, in our service levels, in our solution, that we should feel as salespeople that this is the very best choice for them. So I want to take that mindset from you selling to people. So you might be used to that, that at your last job. But what I want to you to focus on is taking people on a buyer's journey. And your job during that, whether you're a marketer or a salesperson, is to help them buy. So what can we do on that buyer's journey to help them buy from us, essentially? Um, and it, that is a bit of a change in mindset. Um, but I also think it comes from doing things right in the right order to get that confidence where you have got that mindset that you are helping people buy. And I think, again, coming back to salespeople, that's what good salespeople do. They, they educate to help people buy and it's not kind of old school traditional sales where you're trying to crowbar things in and uh yeah put square pegs in round holes and all the rest of it so um yeah it needs to be joined up um and i think 
to do that, we need to take a step back and look at the strategy um, and how we're going to join the two up, essentially, yeah. Right. So when it comes to so say someone's listening to this and think, Rich, singing from the same hymn sheet here, mate, I want to implement this in my company, marketer, for example. Who owns this? Who owns this buyer journey mapping out? Is it something that the marketer then goes to the um, leadership team, the senior decision makers and say, look, this is something we need to do? Or is it something that's collaborative? Or is it something that the marketer just goes and does and then says, this is, this is the, um, the mantra we're following as a company? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so for me, the CEO owns it, the founder, um, whoever's at the top, this should be a top priority for me. Um, and, and it's because there's so many moving parts between whole, the whole business to get it right. Um, and I think this comes back to kind of the brand piece again. Look, if I'm working with someone on a brand basis, um, I won't, how, how can I say this without it coming across wrong? Um, I want to be dealing with the CEO and founder because it's important. And when we're looking at a brand and how we're going to shape that brand and position the brand, the strategies that we're implementing prior to us taking it to the market should be should be affecting operational side of the business as well um, and how the business runs. So marketing can't go out there and create a product and a solution because that is the product and solution of the business. Um, and this is where, from a brand perspective, for me, it's all encompassing from everything from marketing, take it to the market a hundred percent, but from how the business runs, the style in which we do business, um, the way that we look after our customers, because we do, we can do all this great marketing work. Don't get me wrong. Um, and we can put lipstick on a pig and make it look pretty. We can say we're the best firm in the world. We can position ourselves for our target market, but let's say someone interacts with that business and starts dealing with them and the crap or the service levels are, are poor or they don't feel that they're being looked after, then what's the point? Like what, what is the point in doing it? Or if the, the solution isn't right for them, then, then what's the point? So yeah, a lot of people can bang the drum in terms of look, what you hear all the time, like we care about our candidates and that's our differentiation. Um, but if you're dropping that, if you're falling over at the first hurdle, then it's then it's completely wasted. And I know it's the old marketing cliche and sales cliche, and we hear it, we hear it a lot. But a lot of it comes down back to that kind of no like trust scale. Um, so if we look at no like trust, and we start at zero percent, and the max you can get is a hundred percent. Um how are we shifting those dials to get people, more people to know, like, and trust us? So if your marketing is doing a great job and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm aware of this person now. Um, I trust them a bit more because I like the content um, and I like them because I like the way that they're, they're posting. That might start generating a conversation. But when they have that conversation and it's not how they perceived it was going to be, then it's falling at the first hurdle anyway. So we're talking about longevity here and building things for the long term. So who does it fall with? It's it's the very top of the top table um, because it's a strategy that needs to be thought about from a completely holistic perspective. Once we've got that and we've decided how we're going to go to the market, then great, marketing, let's go and have a load of fun with it and let's make sure we can communicate it effectively to the marketplace. Um, when it comes to looking at 
the whole journey, a lot of decisions need to be made. And that book's going to stop with the founder, with the CEO, essentially. Yeah, perfect. Um, I'd agree because really you should be getting to the point uh, if you're employing a whole marketing function within your business and you need to scale up that way, then you need to be working on the business and getting obsessed with this stuff rather than billing yourself. Um, so I think that's that that change, isn't it? The directors to move over to that that sort of side of thinking for their business to help it grow. Um, is that something that you feel like you ended up doing with Bold towards the end, taking that shift? Um, probably from the start, to be honest. So again, coming back to the business plan was I'll flog them, you build them, <laughs> which probably isn't the most sophisticated business plan I've ever heard in my life. Um, but it's thinking about these things as a journey, as we went on that journey. So then as we were building a sales team, marketing team, delivery team, development, uh, development team, project management, all the rest of it. Um, that was kind of my baby, the kind of brand side of things. Um, and also make, again, coming back to what I'm talking about in terms of how are we doing every interaction? Like people say, don't sweat the small stuff. But for me, it's about really sweating the small stuff and making sure that every single touch point that we've got we can set a good example and do a good job. And look, it's business. We're not perfect. A lot of time we dropped the ball. A lot of time things didn't grow to go to plan. Um, but then it's about learning from it and building on that as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's just having that holistic view. And I think reputation is everything. And that's what it boils down to. Um, you can have a reputation from someone who's never dealt with you or bought your product because they might like some of your marketing or heard about you on the marketplace. And then you've got a reputation from your customers who are the ones actually dealing with you every day. And then you've got a reputation from the people who work from you as well. Um, and I think it boils down to reputation and, and playing the long game rather than the short, short game. Um, and particularly like in the market we were working in and, and Bold are still working in, it's like recruitment so incestual. And that's great because if you're doing a good job, then they're all speaking to each other and you get a lot of word of mouth and you're getting work just off the back of your reputation. Um, everyone knows everyone somewhere along the path. Like we have a conversation, we'll have mutual clients or people that we know. And I think it's very rare I'll speak to a recruitment founder where we we kind of haven't got like mutual people, you know, even down as mutual friends. Um, so in that market specifically, and in any market, if we're a niche provider, then reputation is is everything. And I think we had such a focus on that day from day one, knowing that, if that makes sense, because it's such a double-edged sword. Lose that reputation and give it 12 months, you're probably out of business. Um, keep that reputation and things are going to snowball and keep getting better. Um, so, yeah, I know we're speaking about marketing a lot here, but it all kind of comes back to that. And I think when we're looking at brands, like, how I define brand is quite simple. What are people's perception of our business on the marketplace? So that perception is probably different amongst a lot of people. Once people start having a similar perception of who we are, what we do, what we're about and our reputation, then we can be said to have a brand. Um, now that might quite sound fairly simple, but then if we try and define what branding is, um, 
it's everything. It's a strict, well, the way I'd explain it if I was writing it down, it's then a strategic art of how we influence that perception and build that perception. So that probably explains quite a lot in terms of how it boils back to everything um, because it's not how you're marketing yourself. Um, it's not just your customer experience, which for me is a massive part of it, by the way. Um, it's, it's every touch point of your business because if one touch point lets it down, then the whole thing's fucked for that one customer. Like you're not going to win it back, however good your marketing is in future. So yeah, it's uh yeah, it boils back to that, looking at it from a holistic perspective and, and making sure as many ducks as possible are in order at once, really. Absolutely. For me, I would completely agree with you on that, that reputation for me is just the, the linchpin that holds everything together. Um, like you said, if you, if you mess up your reputation, it's extremely hard to get it back or it could spell the end of your business. Um, and I think one question that I would say to anyone listening that wants to get involved is just think, what do you want to be famous for? And if you can break that down, then all the other, you know, the brand strategy, the marketing, the sales, customer experience will come from that because you've got an idea where you want to be famous for and sort of the values that are your ethos and the kind of mission, if you kind of figure those things out. And I'm sure you probably do that with all, all clients, figure that out. Because sometimes you talk to them and they're like, I just, just want to make money. Um, and then you've got to change that mindset a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. So what do you want to be famous for? Pick one thing to focus on and just get massively fucking specific um, about like who do we want to buy and who are we targeting? So the more specific we can get, the better. Obviously, there's challenges in recruitment um, with different styles of agencies, different markets and all that type of stuff. Um, it's not even a unique selling point to be niche and special. Um, it's a lot easier to market when you niche and specialist then look if you've got different divisions particularly if they're like opposing divisions that don't seem to be that related either so that can be a challenge when you come to that positioning process is look we've got one team here who are placing partners in law firms and we've got another team here who are placing um engineers at somewhere that builds buses <laughs> and you see it i know it sounds crazy but you still see it on the marketplace so when we to position a business like that obviously it's, it's a challenge but there's always something in terms of what is making that business successful. Like, why are they in business? Why, why are they making money? And how can we capitalize on that methodology of working? And, and that's another thing that can come into the productization pieces, like owning that unique methodology as well. And again, your market's recruitment. I do a lot in the recruitment market. With a service business, what you'll tend to find is that they're still going out there and selling services. Um, and when you ask people, like, what's your methodology? Like, talk to me about your customer journey that you take people on. Um, if you ask them kind of what's your methodology, it's like, well, we haven't got one. It's the same as everyone else. But when you dig into it, what you'll find is some, some nuances within it and probably some unique parts that they're doing differently to other people. And the likes of me and you are a good sounding board for that because we've asked these questions to a lot of recruitment founders. So... One, you can call them out when it's not the chat, when it's not the same, but two, you can spot it when it is something different. And that's something to get excited about as well. Um, which if you dig deep enough, there's generally something. And look, if there's not, it's about time we uh we implemented something to make sure there's something different as well. So um, yeah, it's always an interesting piece as well. 
Fantastic. So let's um, flip the conversation to something that we, in our sort of pre-convo, um, and a, a term that you came up with, and it kind of really, it's really sat with me for a while, um, and it's selling conversations. Do you want to break that down for me and what your sort of thought process is behind this and how it works? Yeah. So I think the first thing is getting clarity on that. So if we're looking at the marketing function here for one, or the marketing activity that fee earners are doing, salespeople are doing, recruiters are doing essentially, um, look, we need those conversations. That's that's the golden ticket. And I think any business owner and, and any salesperson will tell you that. Um, we need those conversations. We need them as warm as possible. But first and foremost, we need, we need those conversations. Um, and I think a lot of marketing, a lot of sales, and I think we've all been guilty of it, including myself, um, is you can go to the market and keep asking for a conversation. And it, it's stereotypical, isn't it? Like, right, I'm going to go to the market. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to explain to people what I do. And then going to ask them if you want to chat. Um and completely forget what's in it for them. So it's, an, it's another thing that can be branded up. So how can we turn that into a conversation into something massively valuable to the person that you want a conversation with? Um, and there's various ways that you can do that. But what it also does is gives us something from, from a marketing perspective to sell as well. Um, so examples. An example in terms of personally, if I was wanting to do some business development and get some new clients on board, would I be going to the market and introducing myself and just asking to speak to people and asking for a chat? No. What could I offer that a value to get that conversation with the specific people that I want to speak with? So fairly simple stuff. I might offer, offer someone an audit of their brand. It's good. And off the back of the audit, what I'm going to give you is X, Y, and Z and some advice that you can take away and implement. So that's a conversation that I can sell rather than can we have a chat? Because you know what? As you know, I probably want your fucking business. Um, and it's getting those conversations started with people who you really want those conversations with. Um, look, you don't want to go to the market. I don't want to go out there and do brand audits with people who are outside of my target market or if I'm not really looking for new business at the time because you're spending time and money as well. But if you're really focused on who you want to attract, and it comes back to what you've said about being famous, getting massively specific. Of course you want those conversations. Look, a sales call is probably going to take you half an hour. But if we can brand that first conversation up as a, as a value piece and something you're giving them rather than taking away, then that conversation, one, is a lot more likely to happen. Um, and two, you're getting that opportunity for that one-on-one -on -one time. You're getting that opportunity to, to build the rapport and all the rest of it from that you want to do from a sales perspective. And again, if we, we kind of reel it back to what we want to do in a sales call, what we're looking to do, we're looking to build rapport and we're looking to come back to the know, like, trust, get people to know, like, trust us and build that credibility up. So what a great opportunity to do something like that. And again, that can be systemized. It might sound like hard work at first, but once you've got the system in place for it, you know what questions you're asking, you know what you're doing. Again, that's easy. So that'd be an example from my perspective. If, if you said to me tomorrow, right, Rich, you skin... Um, you need to go out there when you, no one knows who you are. Um, you need to go out there and win some business. That 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 would be an approach. Um, but also would be an approach if I was in a position again now that I was looking to build a bigger business rather than a fairly lean consultancy and working as I am essentially. Now, how can we put that from a recruitment perspective? Um, 
one thing and and these obviously just ideas is different things different value that different people can offer so let's talk about that niche specialist within their marketplace like they've got a lot of insights in the market they've got a lot of bit a lot of credibility they know what's going on um from a client perspective should be speaking to the talent in the marketplace a lot so instead of saying mr and mrs client i want to have a chat with you um and they know full well it's about can I come and recruit for you because I want some fees off you. Yeah? How can we reposition that into something that you can give to your marketing team and sell again? So it might be recruitment health check and market insight session. So look, this is going to be really valuable because I'm going to give you tips on how to position yourself as an employer at the moment. I'm going to give you tips on I recruit for a lot of firms in this marketplace. I'm going to tell you who's doing great, who's doing not great, who's attracting the best talent and why. And also let you know about a load of insights that's going on in our specific market at the moment. So something like that could be packaged up. So whatever you name it, whatever you call it, do as you wish. Strategy session, consultation session, you're probably going to want to make it a little bit more marketable than that. Um, but what value can that first conversation bring? And how can we package that up? So then marketing and sales are working together. So marketing have actually got something to sell, which is that conversation that we come back to as well. So they're not going out there and just doing a load of social media posts, loads of awareness posts. It's breaking it down to start fitting that into that buyer's journey again and starting taking people through that process. And I think it could be done on the client side, on the candidate side of things. Um, and then for the first objection I'd get with that is, well, I don't want to be kind of like giving free advice to candidates who I can't place all the time. Well, that's fine. Like when we're marketing, this should be targeted. People should be requ requesting these conversations with you. So then it's up to you to pre-screen them to book in that session or to hopefully feed back to them that, um, yeah, they're potentially not right for what you specialize in and you can't add value to them. That's fine. Um, but it's getting, again, coming back to what you get, knowing who you're selling to and, and being super specific about that. So then that value you're adding is obviously more valuable in the first place, but then you know your target market, so they should be valuable. Like the candidates who you're working with should be placeable. The clients that you're working with should be meet your criteria for the type of clients that you want to get on board as well. So you can break that down and bring it into the sales process as well. And I think what it gives as well, particularly when we're looking at look getting a marketing fu function up and running for a recruitment agency who have maybe not been doing so much, the example that you gave early, earlier it's looking at a simple process look we're not going to come in create a huge complicated marketing and sales process because we've just started and we're just doing it so let's just break it down into simple sections so one way you could look at it is kind of like a three-stage process one awareness like let's get people to know like and trust us we can use various marketing tactics to get that out there podcasts social media email marketing however you want to do that. But then two, we're expecting people to go from awareness to, okay, I'll put my hand in my pocket or I'll spend time with you um, and nothing in between. So what, what can we bridge that gap with? So one, awareness. Two, how can we gather that interest and at that stage build that rapport, build that credibility? And then the third stage is straight into the sales process because I'd like to think if you've added enough value on that second stage, the next question will hopefully be from a candidate or a client, well, how can you help me then? And then that's then getting those, obviously those conversations onto that sales process where they start becoming fees, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's, it's looking at from that, I suppose, taking a step back, simplifying it, and then how can we integrate it into those two journeys?
bit. And I think some recruitment agencies, so just indulge me for, for a minute because we do something very similar. Um, yeah. It's like taking inspiration off the agencies that have successfully got some kind of RPO, retained service going on, and they productize that. I think breaking that down and what you kind of offer, um, pretend, you know, it could just be contingent, but being able to actually market that properly. Um, the, the first step I would say is definitely have that hit list of like target logos you want to sort of attract but then also mm. go and do some qualitative research and you know, asking questions on challenges, um, pain points, timelines, things like that with, with that audience, um, whether it is the hit list or whether it is the people that you've got existing. Because once you get that kind of understanding for like EVP might be the biggest sticking point in that industry, then you can create that EVP, um, you know, score app type um, health check questionnaire or whatever. And then that sort of, sticks you firmly into that market and gives you because it the, the way that I see it now is and it's that sort of Chris Walker approach that creating demand and then capturing the demand at the same time and they're two different things and it's same with the awareness and the conversion etc um it's just being able to give that massive value um so I absolutely love that um and that's nail on the head of how it needs to be done really isn't it yeah and I, I I do agree with a lot of that and I think um Kind of you mentioned tools there like Score App, for instance, yeah. and we've got marketing technology, and people can get lost with like the tools and technology and how we're going to capture this and getting too far into data before we've even got any data, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, get lost in that. Now let's get these conversations happening. Like nine times out of ten, you're in a position where there's one marketer and potentially 20, 30, 40, 50 consultants. So there's no excuses. We don't need to be nurturing them. And once I've raised the hand, we don't need to be like a massive firm would who've got hundreds of thousands of people in their buying process and they've got to nurture them over the time because they want to buy something off the shelf and online. It's like, we've got 50 consultants out there. Like these people have raised their hand and showed interest in our business. Um, like these guys are looking for conversations. Let's get it to them um, and let's get them get them into the sales process straight away. Um, and then it's up, we can have the human nurturing going on. So um, yeah, technology is obviously massively important. Let's not, it's probably something that we'll get onto as well. Um, but let's make sure we're having that that human touch going on and that that human nurturing because the, some of the recruiters are thinking, yeah, this is absolute gold dust. I'm speaking to someone who is knows, knows us, who knows a little bit about us, who thinks we're credible already because nice one market and you've done a great job um so yeah i think it's just to build on your point there just to just to reiterate that as well mate yeah and i think a lot of people look over the um the research aspect of the insight you can get out of doing these kind of health check and reports and actually sometimes they'll be sitting on a mountain of data and conversations um and they give some real insight into engaging content for future demand generation but also uh like you've touched on before improving that product offering um, so re really cool, really cool. And I think that's probably one of the most important, um, I wouldn't say tactics, one of the foundational sort of marketing strategies you need in place, really. 100%. If you're going for BD. Yeah, that's it. And I don't want to go on off, a, off on a tangent and keep banging the same drum, but you, you're saying things that are really important, Hayden. So I kind of want to make sure that we, we get it across as well. So we're talking about integrating sales and marketing. We're talking about them sat in silos and not really communicating as much as he should be. And you've just touched on the research piece there, mate. Um, 
and yeah, you can go off and do some research as a marketer and all the rest of it and, and do your market research. But look, who's got the info, who's got the best information? You fucking salespeople who are speaking to customers or prospects all day. Um, the ones who were getting rejected all day, the ones who were getting objections all day, like they're the ones with the gold dust because it, and I've done this as part of my process. Of course, I have in the past, like I'll speak to customers to do the market research, but that's a different conversation because I'm not asking them to put the hand in the pocket. Like what are your pain points in your mark in the market? What, what do you like? What do you feel like is missing in the market? What do you feel is a good service that you've had recently? What could people be doing better? You've got a client on the, well, not a client of mine, but a company on the end, end of the phone. They're not invested. Like they're going to tell you what they want, want you, to, what you think you want to hear a lot of the time. And a lot of the time, just tell you stuff just to get off the phone. Um, and we can incentivize them. Look, from a research perspective, we can incentivize them. Of course we can. But is it real? To a certain extent, yeah. But I tell you what's a lot more real. That sales guy who's been getting rejected 100 times a week, he knows what the market actually thinks because he's getting the reasons all day long and he's getting the objections all day long. Or, it, yeah, it's just a case of that. that's the real data we, we can play with. And, and I think, fortunately, a lot of the time um, with the salespeople that are in recruitment, if we're speaking to them, then... We're in, we're in a great position because we're sat on a mountain of gold there um, and years and years of information about the marketplace. And if we get that information right, it's a dream come true from a marketer's perspective because we know what questions we need to be answering out there then. Um, and we know what education pieces we need to be putting out um, to make sure that us as a business do things differently because a lot of them objections are driven from assumptions and it might be past experience of dealing with recruitment agencies for instance so i think another good exercise just on that point as well um i was talking about um the other the other day to a client is i think it's chris voss um the negotiation book the fbi guy um and it's called an accusations audit in terms of just getting out there all of those preconceived ideas and objections that the marketplace is telling you and how can we communicate to answer those questions to hopefully put their mind at rest that we're going to do something differently um call them the elephants in the room whatever you want to call them um but it's a good starting point in terms of like marketing content and questions to be uh to be answering to the audience anyway yeah absolutely love that um so I'm looking at the time here and we're starting to uh starting to get up to uh <laughs> the end of our sort of preconceived time um but I feel like there's probably in a, another conversation, further conversations, episodes um, to, to have on here. One last thing, and I think we've kind of been touching on it in terms of the research and bringing in the sales team. And I think that's amazing because as soon as you bring them in, it, it destroys that silo um, and they start getting invested. So we, you know, we work as a hybrid agency with some agencies and we work exclusively with the sector heads and their, their, their consultants. And they get yeah. so engaged and, and fired up about some of these marketing strategies we discuss and they've come out with tools and data and insights and things that they've heard about and it's having that those two those two teams work together so the sales feel like they're part of marketing and marketing feels like they're part of sales and it just becomes a homogenous homogenous mix um of just generating revenue it shouldn't be these two things it just should be revenue r and d yeah. basically um, agree, yeah. 
in terms of content, so this is the last thing I kind of want to touch in, getting content, what we can do with coming up ideas. We've touched on this a little bit, but have you got some like quick actionable tips for, for consultants? Because I know you touched on this for, for just getting, you know, great ideas, great strategies, great tactics. Yeah, I think one challenge with recruiters is getting them to post in the first place, never mind yeah what what to post about so when we're looking at content pillars it comes back to exactly what you said hayden like what do you personally in the marketplace want to be known for um and banging the drum on that probably 80 percent of your posts like if you want to be known for one thing get it out there um and repeat and talk about one subject so if you're a specialist in one market then be talking about that market from a client perspective, from a candidate perspective about, about what's going on. Um, because eventually you'll get known for it and it will start resonating with people in your audience. Um, I think another thing is, is like, because you're banging the drum with the same stuff time and time again, you've got to remember that you'll get bored of your own content before anyone else will, because nine times out of 10, they probably won't have seen it before or they scanned it or they didn't really read it. Um, so I think people are like, well, I posted kind of on that topic, but there's a lot, a lot of ways to skin the cat, isn't there? Um, I think from a, a content ideation perspective, um, look, good recruiters should be having conversations all day still, whether it's with clients and whether it's with candidates. And I think they can forget kind of the, the nuggets that are in those conversations as well. So it's making sure it's top of your mind a lot of the time. Um, so when you're having a conversation with a candidate and something interesting comes up, make a note of it, put it in the notes in your phone, whatever. Um, same with clients, same with any activity you're doing, same with any challenges you're doing. Um, and it's about getting your unique perspective out there. Um, but I think content is going to become more of a commodity. Um, chat GPT, all the rage now. Um, everything else is ghostwriters, all this type of stuff. So there's going to be a big shift coming up um, or is coming up where the bar in terms of the quality of content or the content that's getting attention is going to be raised again because everyone's got access to create ideas or even if 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 you're lazy, just putting in like, give me five tips on employer, brand, on employer branding or whatever. And they could literally just rip that and post that on LinkedIn. It's better than doing nothing. But is that going to stand out in the marketplace? It might do at the moment, but it's not going to be for long when, when everyone's doing it. So it's about adding those kind of unique perspectives, those unique opinions. And that's going to come from what your day job is and what your experience is and things that you know from the past and what, what's happening at present. So it's it's an education piece. And I think this is where marketing comes into it. Again, again it's like marketing's responsibility should be helping recruiters get up to speed with, with that type of stuff as well. And look, I'm no social media expert. It's not what I'd consider my area of expertise, personal branding and all that type of stuff, but I'm looking at it from more of a holistic brand perspective um, is getting known for the the thing that you do. You're the guy or the girl who does that um, and hopefully start being the go-to within your small network or big network, whatever it is, and, and you start getting known for that. But I think, again, as we've done a few times on a few subjects, it's rewinding Prior to that point, still working with a lot of recruitment agencies, particularly kind of like you guys, a lot of the time they're billing well, sometimes not billing so well, um, but they've been 
sometimes been around the block and it's like, pff, I'm not posting on LinkedIn. And it's kind of like, whether it's an ego thing, whether it's a self-confidence thing, whatever it is, it's like, they might not use social media a lot in the personal life. So it's like, they, it's just sometimes not comfortable or they don't want the la the team, the girls, the guys from the last place he worked to take piss out of them because all of a sudden they're posting on LinkedIn and all the rest of it. And there's, there's all these things that stop people from posting. And a lot of it comes down to imposter syndrome, isn't it? Um, one way I got my team to start posting more on LinkedIn was, look, are you on LinkedIn to kind of find your future husband and or wife? Are you on there to make friends or are you on there to make money? And I think from a sales perspective and a recruitment perspective, I think explaining that alone, the penny can drop. And it's like, yeah, fuck that. I don't care what they're saying because it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect my back pocket. Um, and then, then it's building out the quality content. The first step is getting them posting. Then how can we build out the quality content? Then how is that then linked into the rest of the marketing funnel? And how are we getting them to go to the next stage of the buyer's journey? So um, it's baby steps, isn't it? But it's, yeah, rewind to the start and work your way through it. And uh, hopefully start making some progress anyway. Yeah, I love it. I think one of the things to get the consultants to do personal branding is to pick out, and we've seen it work a few times, pick out champions that are into it, that this mm. comes easy to them, and then, you know, hold them up on a pedestal and say, look, these guys are smashing it. They're bidding like social selling is absolutely killing it for them. And then also you've kind of got the optimization. Um, my dog is barking. Shush. Um, the optimization of of the profiles and you've got the call to action what's that sort of research generating health check tool embedded with it so and it's kind of getting that like mix and I think the one thing that I always come back to is everything's connected there's just there needs to be a connection between everything you're doing and if it's all disconnected then there's just going to be major flaws and failures and things initiatives just getting dropped left right and center um and it's yeah, having, having that strategy We've covered quite a lot and, and that's hard when you've not done it before um, because you don't know where you're dropping the ball um, and, and one thing can affect the rest of it down to, I've been working with a, with a firm in the US at the moment and, and trying to put in a, a solid strategy in place um, and we're missing one thing um, and they didn't realize the importance of it, but it was the one thing that where the leads were converting essentially. So we started to do everything. It's like, well, why, why haven't we done this bit? And that's kind of where the leads are coming from. Um, so yeah, everything. It's like, well, one piece of the puzzle can, yeah, sweating the small stuff, isn't it? It's sweating the small stuff and getting it right. But it is a challenge. Look, if you've not done it before, then it's a learning curve. I was on that process. Look, I, from starting bold, I was, yeah, I admit that I pretty much knew nothing. And it's kind of just rolling with the punches and learning it. And I wish that maybe I was one of these people that could either afford, because I couldn't at the time, um, or was had someone to kind of lean on who'd been there before and done it, who can start putting that puzzle together a little bit, a little bit better. But a lot of it comes down to getting the basics right. Um, so it's a case of, look, how can we position the business properly how can we set up a simple marketing plan that is specific to the journey that our clients and candidates go on or whatever buyers that you've got go on um and reverse engineering it all around that essentially but without zooming out it's hard to then do kind of do the fundamentals as well i'm real advice thank you rich like 
top class stuff that you're talking about here and it's just foundational it just needs to be implemented and thought about just a few final questions before we wrap up just quick some quick quick fire stuff firstly the future what do you think the future holds for the recruitment industry we talked about chat gbt by the way i just want to put it out there i know i see on the linkedin on the feed if you've not you specifically just an individual i know if you've written something through chat gbt it's so obvious and i'm seeing more and more of it over time and um anyway cream rises to the top um <laughs> yeah, yeah and i think that's so the future people are worried about that type of stuff like ai and all the rest of it um look we've been through through a fair few technology revolutions um probably like not us personally but speak to people who were a, a little bit longer in the tooth than us and look they're still here um and it's about how can we leverage it rather than being scared of it and I'm not just speaking about recruiters here look I've seen particularly copywriters as you can imagine um yeah being probably having a bit of a panic about where AI is going with with copy that it can create and don't get me wrong some of it's great even applying tone of voices and stuff like that so that's where the kind of the average bar is going to be is what can that spit out um now how do we take it above that bar and that's just always been the case isn't it like whether we're in business, whether it's marketing, it's like average isn't good enough. Everyone else can do average. So we need to be thinking, how can we leverage what we've got? And there's going to be a massive role for AI to um, play, not just in marketing and content creation, obviously every aspect of the recruitment process, um, but staying ahead of that curve. Um, and I'd seen something the other day, I don't know who posted it, but I absolutely loved it. It's, and I think it was more for like creatives and stuff like that. It's like, look, Take yourself away from being the executor and the technician who's doing the work. Your job now is to be the creative director of AI and get the most out of it and better results than anyone else. And that could be said for the recruitment industry as well. But one thing I will say, look, in recruitment, however much these disruptive technology providers out there try and claim, We're going to know, like, and trust people more than we are machines. Um, And I think it's pretty hard to build rapport with a a machine. So I don't think you can take people out of the recruitment process because it's so people orientated. So, yeah, are we going to leverage it 100%? But let's make sure that from a people perspective, we're sticking to that old school stuff that we all love. Um, and that's building relationships. It's um, building communities, being part of a community, having that credibility, having that conversations, because I don't care whether it's personal life or, or work life. Look, we're humans and we like human interaction, don't we? So let's not fear it um, and let's leverage it and uh, and see where it takes us. Love it. Love it. So quick fire questions, Rich, and then I'll, I'll let you go and do some more important work. So I like the, wish it, I like the but, artist, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's your favorite pizza topping? Pizza topping. Um, nothing too obscure here, mate. Texas barbecue. Nice. nice. Yeah, um, Texas barbecue chicken from Domino's. Uh, Domino's guy, I love it. Um, best productivity technique or method, you know, how do you stay productive? Um, I'm a big fan of Trello, big fan. And the, yeah, the first benefit is organization. 
Um, probably not one of my main strong points. Um, but the second benefit is one that people don't often... I put everything in there. So when you have one of those days where you... Do you know when you, you feel like you've done loads, but you finish the day and you think, have I, been, have I even been productive today? Then looking back at your Trello, it's like a sigh of relief of, yeah, I've done a fucking lot today. I deserve this. I can go and relax. Um, so yeah, I love Trello, mate. Yeah, but yeah, Trello's great. Yeah, we use Notion that's quite similar as well, and it's like fully integrated into the business now. Um, are you a podcast guy? What's your favorite podcast if you do listen to him? Yeah, I listen to podcasts. I think I'm more interested in, often more interested in the guests that are on, if that makes sense, um, rather than a specific, I like Uberman Labs is always a good one. Um, Steve Bartlett obviously has some amazing guests on. So I think my favorite podcast of all time is, I always go back to his uh, Mo Goddard um, on Stephen Bartlett. Unbelievable. Um, I just need to get past that point. Look, I like Stephen Bartlett. Love his content. Just need to get past that point where it's the, I hope nobody's listening, which is always like grated on me a little bit. But apart from that, unbelievable. Um, Joe Rogan stuff, again, depending what guests on. Um, not a massive like UFC fan or anything, but some of his other guests are great. So a um, bit of a mix, mate. Love it. Yeah, I've started listening to the Rich Roll podcast and he's got some really good creative guests on there. Uh, just had Seth Godin recently. That was really good. Um, so oh, really, yeah, I might have to give that a go. I've, I've, I've seen it and I've probably listened to a few over the years, but I'll uh, I'll give it a go, mate. Nice. Um, and what what company does marketing the best in your eyes in the market? Could be anyone. Could be anyone. That's a good question. Um, so I think in terms of I'd rather give an example of someone of maybe a market or firm that's not so obvious um, to kind of prove that it can work in traditionally boring in as well. Better than saying Nike or something. Yeah. Um, so a couple of examples then, um, which I've used in the past. Um, so there's a firm in the mortgage industry, which is obviously traditionally very, very boring, called Habito. Um, the way that they're positioned, the way that they market themselves, the way that they communicate with their audience, the way, again, that they've productized their offering um, is absolutely great. Um, I used to prefer it. It used to be a little bit more aggressive on the pain points, um, and it's a, a little bit more, more fluffy now, but it's still very, very good. Um, and then another one, because it, it probably, I am the target market, is have you seen Tom Life Insurance? Yeah, yeah. So Tom Life Insurance for Dads, like the the way that they speak, like when you say you want to be famous for one thing, you want to be specific, like it's just great. It might be my sense of humor. It might just be the way that I am. But when I first saw that, it, yeah, I, I think it's a great case study, an example of being very defined in terms of who you're speaking to and, uh, and yeah, making sure you're getting eyeballs on that because I think most blokes and all that type of stuff insurance is not the top of your list it might be for some people it certainly isn't for me um but yeah that definitely spoke to me so tom life insurance habito i think are great examples in case of this of uh of traditionally boring industries doing doing pretty well with the market in any way yeah i love those guys really cool and nice illustrations as well if i remember rightly and like the, the look of it is good as well so it's, the brand goes with it Tone of voice, the look of it, the message, um, the illustrations, the the whole lot. And it comes back to that consistency piece as well. So, yeah. And 
you're probably going to say home because you're a northerner but um if you could live anywhere else in the world where would it be yeah it's, it, you're right by the way <laughs> <laughs> you're right by the way so i did have a, a little place in spain that i, I sold last year so obviously not there um <laughs> mm, good question i'll i'll say away from leeds um because I live in Leeds and I love it. I love the place that I live. Um, probably, probably the lakes, if I'm honest. Like you're probably looking for something a bit more exotic, but yeah, the lakes. Like I like the seasons. I like the UK seasons. Um, I like the the chains that we go through and and all the rest of it. So um, yeah, I'm not going to slight the UK. I like it. If I were going further afield, probably California. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Solid choice. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Rich. I feel like there was a million other things we could have talked about, um, but maybe I'll get you on for another episode if you're up for it, and we can we can dig into some more, some more interesting subjects. If yeah. um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, you know, what's what's the best way for them to uh, you know talk to you? Uh, LinkedIn probably best. Um, fairly open on there. Drop a connection request. Can I have a chat on there. Um, I think it's the the best place. Um, but yeah, no, appreciate it, mate. Like it seems to have flown by. Um, really enjoyed yeah. it as well. Really enjoyed I it. I think this so. this could have been like a two, three hour call, <laughs> I reckon. Carry on, can we get more out there? Um, yeah. but yeah, no, really grateful, mate. Like, thanks for thanks for inviting me on. And I know you've been uh you've been at me for a while. So um I'm glad you've been resilient because I've enjoyed it. I felt well, I felt like I could get to the point where I was I was um kind of I was best to describe it. Yeah, just scaring away from it it's like come on let's just do it let's crack on uh, uh make time for it. i'm, I'm glad you did yeah thank you so much really appreciate it mate thank you legend cheers Aiden.